This is the second special episode where there'll be research looked into the effects of phones and concussions. An odd mix, but interesting. Listen in to learn more. We'll be talking to Dr. Prasanna. This is his research. You'll learn a lot from how games could be affecting movement. And as always, there's going to be some good book recommendations. Hi, Prasanna. Could you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Hi, Abdullah. My name is Prasanna, or um, uh, I go by happy in this country, America. I come from Nepal, um, which is all the way, I think, 12 hours away of us, ahead of us. And it's a small country between India and China. And I basically did my undergrad, master's in biomedical engineering first, taught there almost two years in engineering college um, after my master's education. And then... oh, what university or college were you at? Oh, my undergrad was a very unique name. It's called Bapuji Institute of Engineering and Technology. Yeah. Does Bapuji uh, not mean like father in some way? Or... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Bapuji, it's named after Mahatma Gandhi. So if you know about Indian politics and Indian history, Mahatma Gandhi was considered as one of those uh, revolutionists and kind of uh, not in a bad way, but uh, in a good way. Again, Mm -hmm. he's considered as one of those pioneers um, behind India's um, independence. And then I did four years of um, biomedical engineering there. And then a year later, I got master's degree opportunity um, in, again, uh, one of those uh, names, Motilal Nehru Institute of Technology. And again, related to Indian politics only, like he's also one of those former prime ministers, if I would like to Mm -hmm. say. And then after that, I got a teaching offer, uh, engineering college, which is called BBD, uh, NIT Lucknow. And its uh, full, fin- full f- name is uh, full f- um, name is Babu Banarsi Das National um, Institute of Technology or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it has been almost like I would I would like to say I spent even though I'm from in uh, from Nepal I spent mm-hmm. more than plus and minus eight years uh, of my lifespan in India doing. Mm-hmm education and teaching and all that thing so that's why sometimes i miss india <laughs> oh, okay. food and all that thing mm-hmm. so i have a lot made a lot of good friends over there so yeah eight years is a long time it's yeah i was there i think sometime in 2004 and left completely but i think sometime in 2013 so you can say plus and minus it's so many good friends and uh, Mm. helped me to model myself then after 2013 i think it was in january then i realized okay i want to do something after master's degree after teaching for two years that's when i decided to kind of write my gre and toefl and all those um, international students uh, all those prep uh, that an international student has to do. And then after that, uh, I started applying different colleges and um, I was uh, lucky to get an offer from Louisiana State University um, 
in uh, America. Uh, they offered me stipend scholarship in 20, I think, uh, I'd like to say sometime in January or February of 2014. Mm. And there you go. And uh, they sent me all the paperwork. And that's when I got the visa. And 2014, August 8th, that's when I landed. Uh, I Some of the dates I kind of <laughs> clearly remember. <laughs> that's a life-changing moment in your life. Yeah, well, like when you when you first landed, do you remember that like clearly, like coming yes. in the airport and everything? And yes, okay. it was uh, kind of a little bit nervousness and excitement and mm-hmm. anxiety. So many emotions were there. You can, if if you had some kind of a sensor, you could have seen all good and bad emotions yeah, inside me. Yeah. So yeah, twenty fourteen August. That's when I started uh, studying at LSU, Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge. There was a slow and I would say steady process uh, about PhD, and I think twenty. 20 January, that's when I thought, okay, I need to kind of get off campus now. I need Mm -hmm. to graduate. Mm -hmm. July 17th, I would like to say, uh, that's when I think sometime around July 3rd week, I now this is kind of becoming foggy. I'm sorry. Defended my dissertation on Mm -hmm. cell phone manipulation, how it influences. And uh, before that, I, I got a job offer from Illinois College, which is in Illinois, mm-hmm. Jacksonville, Illinois, and they offered me to become a faculty here in theology. And I said, yes, I'd like to come in and start a new career. So here am I, teaching Illinois College for the past one and a half years. What was your PhD on exactly? Like, what was the, do you know the full title? Smartphone manipulation. Um, is it okay if I see and tell you rather than... Yeah, 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 that's fine. So my PhD uh, title was Neuromotor Control of the Hand During Smartphone Manipulation. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And then I came here in Jacksonville sometime around, uh, again, some uh, August 1st week, I would like to say. And then, yeah. You've been here ever since. since like... Yeah, pandemic has not let me go anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How are you finding it? So far, so good. Definitely different, different culture and a small town. I'd like to definitely add on to this one compared to where I was in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge was a lot more bigger, a lot more uh, moving. You can go around town without worrying about traffic lights, let's say. There is a certain part of your town where you have traffic lights, but in between where I'm living and where I go, like from my place to college it's like 10 or 15 minutes of walk and no way i come across any traffic lights it's a, that's why i'm saying it's a quiet town and i i like this kind of environment rather than the, all those noises uh, present in the city diving into like what research are you doing at the moment okay um now right now i am still requesting my colleagues to get uh, so that uh, i can start working on continuing working on my PhD work, dissertation mm-hmm. work. Before that, uh, like I told you, I basically worked on motion analysis, um, muscle uh, recording um, of your upper limb, whilst individuals were on the treadmill to manipulate their cell phones. Currently working on uh, how your 
head injury kind of influence somebody's concussion. So I'm basically working in partnership with my one of my faculty members from LSU. Uh, his name is Mark Delicky, and we are planning to kind of uh, recruit uh, young athletic uh, college students who have had head injury and we'd like to kind of make them do some competitive talks and and see how their performance kind of influence with their head injury or not we would like to see because studies shows that after having a head injury or history of head injury there is a kind of effect on their cognitive performance trying to mm. kind of do certain computer tasks or memory related things and besides that i'm also thinking about working on we purchased this equipment called biopack uh, mm. this summer and I told you last semester or this fall semester has been so busy that i could not get a chance to get kind of a play around with that biopack talking about that so just like a young boy getting a new toy i have to play with it and see what i can do with that i'm thinking of trying to kind of see if we can kind of do some kind of um, EMG recordings and um, C uh, and EEG recordings um, mm-hmm. uh, to encephalogram recordings while they are doing something on their cell phone. A simple thing, not crazy stuff like trying to pilot something and maximum use out of that uh, device. Mm-hmm. But, oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And how many participants do you want in this kind of study? Um, so... that's a very good question because that was one of the question from IRB also uh we we don't intend to kind of have like hundreds and hundreds of parts of uh, basically we are trying to kind of uh, get as much as possible because it's hard for us to find a stud a student who had a concussion if if we are talking about concussion study at least 10 or 15 students would be nice and another 10 or 15 students with a no no concussion history uh, regarding my pilot study that i'm thinking with the emg and brain activity i will just try to kind of do something with myself first try putting some electrodes on upon myself and then see if i can gather something and then if i can find some participants who's um, interested in learning something new one or two pilot study and hopefully by the end of summer i'm thinking not more than 10 or 15 in general it's it's hard to find participants uh, first of all without any incentive so are you not going to have an incentive to incentivize anyone it depends on funding uh if i get some scholarship or funding during this two months definitely i'll try to kind of uh, give them some money or incentives otherwise this is what i did in my previous college and i will kind of basically pass this information to my class and to my colleagues class if you go and participate you will get an extra credit if if they think wisely that five points could kind of put them from b to a or something like a to a plus or something like you're just giving their two hours of time could put them to kind of that pedigree so why not if i were a student somebody gave me that opportunity yeah i would do it most likely like how long do you think the study will take in terms of hours or commitment wise oh uh, the concussion study since we have already figured out most of the things um, yeah, max let's say it will take an hour why because i have not yet piloted it but 30 to 35 minutes should be the max and study 
with my cell phone and EMG and EZ, it will take some time because the setup takes um, with the muscles and EZ, it could take some time, let's say plus and minus two hours. So what would you do to a person in the study? So on concussion study, uh, what we are planning to do is basically they'll come in, uh, I'll explain uh, what they are supposed to do, like fill out their forms and all that thing. And then once they give their consent form, I'll just sit on the laptop, regular laptop, and they are uh, press certain keys depending upon like the colors and all that thing. And they have to basically, once they um, finish that, and again, they'll do certain kind of a memory a test um, by I'll kind of utter a few words and few letters and they have to kind of remember what was the order of the letter and all that mm-hmm. thing and that will kind of a check on the paperwork. So that is uh, like a in general idea about the concussion study. With the cell phone, the pilot study that I'm thinking about is like I'm asking them to kind of look over the cell phone, try to mm-hmm. kind of text their friends, maybe tap something or read something or just do a simple game uh, activity on that device. And uh, how these three different levels of tax influences your brain activity, especially, or let's say can get some readings from your eye uh, muscles also. I'm looking into that also. Like right now, they are not going to kind of stand up or walk as I did with my dissertation. They will be just sitting comfortably on their chair and they'll be doing these three, three things. And I would like to see their reaction, how, how it changes. Because in my uh, thinking, texting is one level of excitement and gaming is another level of excitement. And watching social media is, again, should give you another yeah, level of Yeah, they're all kind of different in some way. And they're all going to have different effects. So will yeah. they be, is there a chance of doing, did you say, like, will they be wearing EEG headsets or anything like that? Uh, right now, we don't have, like, those regular caps that you have seen in other studies. Mm. The one which we have it in the lab, the biopack, they never put electrodes on three or four different places. And based on that, I'm trying to kind of either see one of the reasons or I cannot, like, the, get the whole... Um, uh, okay. With the electrical activity measurement, Mm-hmm. Can you work through hair or do you have to like shave the no. hair off? And... You, you don't need to shave the hair. I mean, uh, it's hard to yeah. people like me all the time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That's the efficiency of a newer technology or newer device. And that's what, because uh, there are certain uh, companies or uh, equipments where you don't need to kind of wear, um, shave your heads or anything like that. You cap. And um, they will put those uh, gel electrodes and there is a pocket they have made or pouch in that cap and you have to just put the gels on it and that will make necessary contact with your scalp. And there is a software also on looking at the software, you can tell whether that scalp has been touched properly or not. So the things Mm -hmm. have improved drastically in the last uh, few years. I came across not in person, but I was talking with these uh, company people. I think they don't even require you now to put gels, and they have s- such a high sensitivity going on with those pouches. Some kind of a rubber or sticker is there. You make a necessary contact. 
Yes, there are um, other equipments like fMRI um, um, where you are just, and they are also very, very sensitive about um, finding the, not the uh, brain area. fMRI would be measuring blood flow, but that's more like that's brain activity, but in a different aspect because the yeah. electrical activity would be more to do with what neurons are doing. So which one do you think is more accurate? I think they are both good in their own level. It's more, I mean, you cannot say one is accurate or over another one. It depends upon what are you looking exactly, right? Um, so depending upon your research question, you will try to. In my opinion, uh, like I have never used fMRI. So I did get a chance to kind of play with it, but I never got a chance to work thoroughly. So that's why um, it's a, just a fancy new word, I, I guess. Um, and I. So are you thinking of using fMRI? Yes, I would say. But again, I have to figure it out how to play with it, mm -hmm. right? I, if, if I don't know how to use it, then I, it would be just <laughs> crazy to kind of uh, learn about it. So I will, I will think about it. If I kind of collaborate with somebody who knows about it, then, then it will be a lot more easier than me trying to figure it out. Collaboration would be the best bet um, because... I share my ideas, my opinion, and uh, the other person, the collaborator, will kind of uh, do the data collection and see how things work out. So that would be best bet in my opinion, rather than me trying to do everything. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. These are the two experiments that I'm thinking about currently. And besides that, I haven't had really chance to kind of uh, focus about what else I could be, uh, I could be doing in future. So on the computer, what they will be doing is there is this uh, tax called stroop tax and based on their colors and they have to react on by pressing a computer keys. And then using that, they will be kind of, let's say we'll get some kind of reaction times and we'll be able to kind of do some studies on that. So studies have, like I said, studies have shown that head injuries or some kind of a fall related to head is kind of going to have some kind of a cognitive decline, and especially those people who had the frequent head injury. And uh, that's what um, I have to kind of get a green signal from IRP. <laughs> oh, so okay. I have to finish it up. So. And how long yeah. are these experiments meant to take, do you think? I would say max 30 to 35 minutes, um, but um, to be on a safer side, let's say 60 minutes, uh, because I have always learned this. It would, it would be nicer if I say more than you realize later on, oh, I need to get your 30 minutes more of your time. Yeah. So, then people are annoyed because you're taking like, extra time. But if you take extra and then you say, oh, we finished early, like 15 minutes early, they're happy because they expect it to be there for an hour. Yes, yeah. yes. And that that's one thing I learned it very hard uh, fashion when I was doing in my research. Um, I told them three hours and they are like, whenever we finish two and a half hours or two hours, 45 minutes, oh, we finished early. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, that's the reason why I was... And, the good thing about research, with my research, at least I can say is once I get all the tools and parts figured out, it just becomes automated. It just becomes automated and it just becomes faster and faster. So I have always 
struggled in first few data collections and then once i get that uh, 60 minutes that sounds that sounds good yeah oh this is a lot more good uh, because like i told you my dissertation study took almost three and a half hours oh, oh okay yeah yeah so this is nothing in my opinion my dissertation study i by the time i collect my second data um, second data from second participant i was so tired that i didn't have energy like i used to have morning 3 hours a break or no break at all and then another 3 hours of same thing Whoa. so and how many patients did you do this for? like patients i mean participants did you do this for officially uh, i regret a lot because sometimes i was not able to get the data because thing uh, with this uh, data collection is setup wise it's a lot it's a lot like they would need to be kind of a uh, palpated and try to kind of put electrodes on their uh, right side of their body mm. on the upper limbs and then sometimes i struggle to find those muscles and sometimes it just becomes easy to find those muscles and it always took 40 to 60 minutes to find oh. and put those muscles It's a long month. Yeah, that's that is a long time. Yeah, and then, uh, hopefully, though, all I would like to thank all my participants. Um, what they did was a very, very good gesture, being patient and being <laughs> yeah. because it could have made uh, them cranky or something like that. They were all nice and patient, and they were helpful. And then once I finished that, I. took another 10 or 15 minutes to put those um, passing markers and um, to kind of record their motion uh, and then once i'm done it was another hour or so to do all the trials and sometimes i struggle to finish those trials because cap markers were coming off the electrodes were coming off and uh, yeah so it was struggle compared to that this uh, concussion study with the laptop this is nothing <laughs> yeah it's much easier this is going back to more your past but what got you interested in science in the first place well uh i was i would not say i was very good in science i was above average student <laughs> right from the school i would call myself as like a uh, regular um, student like you or anybody who was interested in science and my interest uh, with science came more once i finished my high school and my brother told me about biomedical engineering and that's uh, one of the things um, that uh, intrigued me because it was something new in nepal for the first time and when i started looking at it, it just sounded good because uh, it is one of those things where you can kind of uh, work with uh, medical devices and help uh, repair and kind of maintain those things and that's how i started liking about uh, this uh, field and yeah that's how i kind of started with the science mm. in terms of all the places you've been like where would you say like what have each of the places kind of given you in terms of your Children in Nepal, your, your education in India, now over in America. Like, have you noticed that each place is like totally different, and the people or are there similarities? Yes, I would like to say India and Nepal, uh, they are pretty similar in terms of 
education style um, because uh, I don't know whether it's a neighbor effect or something like that, or mm -hmm. we, we get a lot of similar vibes in both places. Um, uh, however, coming over here in America, it's 180 degree uh, different. Um, here, maybe I came in a higher level education. That's why I'm feeling that uh, difference also. Um, it could be the same if I had come early in my undergrad level and tried to kind of experience that. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yes, I would like to kind of say, compared to Nepal and India, education style, what we follow over here is 100% different. Um, it's a lot more student-oriented. Um, mm -hmm. Can we make students learn? Um, how can we make students kind of understand things? Um, uh, in India and Nepal, we, we were not uh, given that much of reference. I would like to say no disrespectful to them, but um, uh, they, they helped me to save my career. But uh, it was different. Yes, it was mm -hmm. different, definitely different. Um, like your other interests, what, what else do you do apart from research? Well, uh, I like to sleep a lot. <laughs> I guess everybody wants to. Um, Could that be um, partially down to because you're covering research into like people that live in a different country to where they're born because there's a really odd change in into like the time zones that can affect your kind of what's called circadian rhythms. So maybe that could be the reason. Yes, I would like to say, but not in the same token, because when I go to Nepal from here, there is a time zone difference and you understand what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Yes, there will be some, uh, some time for my time to kind of go back to normalize. But uh, after living here for seven, almost seven and a half years, it shouldn't be a problem. I think it's just part of me who wants to kind of sleep more, I guess, anybody. <laughs> everybody. Yeah. So mm -hmm. besides that, I like to kind of, uh, I'm a big fan of salt. I follow a lot nowadays, especially because I guess I don't have to study <laughs> yeah. to, uh, my undergrad and graduate level work. Um, so uh, besides soccer, love i would like to call myself as a beginner a photographer or i'm um, oh. yeah i wish i had more time to learn for mm -hmm. what do you photograph normally like nature or cities or people or just everything anything anything mm -hmm. i like i said that's why i don't categorize as a professional photographer on mm -hmm. so and so or something no i'm just saying like is there like a particular type of thing you just like taking more photographs of no, I am like whenever I walk, there is like 10 or 15 minutes of walking time from my apartment to college and mm -hmm. I click anything random I see interesting or fun. So I don't know how uh, work out uh, on your end. Um, but in America, especially my side, this northern side of America, especially during the fall, August, September and October, and November, some part of November, the fall colors, you can see it clearly. And it's um, so, Google online, it's so pretty. It's so mm. pretty. And I haven't seen that in Nepal, if I'm understanding correctly. Maybe I might not have been to those places where they have those things going on. But I always like these pretty uh, leaps, like how your uh, nature 
the what do you call it, lack of sunlight mm-hmm. like when you come into winter fall there is a limited daylight coming to plants and all that chlorophyll and photosynthesis and all that thing yeah. how color changes i'm not an expert in those but you understand what i'm saying yeah. finding sunlights and they get more less and less sun and as a result of that the color changes mm-hmm. and uh yeah, I like those and I click a lot. I click those things or whenever I see something funny um, or interesting, like a, like art on a wall or something uh, like that or so, some structure. Yeah. So do you have like a camera with like a really long, is it like a camera lens or do you just have like a normal? Uh, I do have, uh, I do have a regular SLR camera. Mm-hmm. I don't have a very long lens in a while. Honestly, I don't remember when was the last time I have touched that. It's been, I think, six months or so more than that, I would like to say. But normally I use my cell phone um, as a camera to just kind of click it and kind of uh, post it somewhere and something like that. So like you, you don't... And this is the thing with the camera person. In order to become a very good photographer, you have to constantly carry that uh, equipment or tools with you. And it's not possible for me to kind of uh, carry uh, okay. that load every day, uh, wherever I go. So, yeah. And I think, yeah. And I, I love cooking also. I'll try something new. Mm-hmm. Not every day. So, yeah, these are my hobbies. So, I guess a regular person hobby, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And your cuisine wise, because you mentioned Nepal and India, do you, do you stick to one of them or do you American food or is it just a mix of everything? So, I don't know how much you know about our side, India and Nepal, but we eat pretty much the stuff food, like similar spice and all that thing, and which is not found. Um, here in America, so I I do um, eat uh, foods that my mom used to similar type of home style food, and sometimes I do kind of a go um, in our uh, college um, cafeteria and eat burgers and all those American yeah. style. So yeah. that's just, just to kind of a <laughs> get a feel uh, or mm-hmm. get away from my regular uh, boring food. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I think it's just nice to try different stuff anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. And in terms of, like, I think another question, like, what advice would you give to a student who wants to go into, like, the similar area of research that you're in? Well, one advice I would like to kind of uh, give is follow your heart. Like, if you are really interested into your work, the things that you do it doesn't have to be science only. If you're interested in, let's say, doing some kind of art or something like that, uh, try to follow that and surely you'll make your way into it because there are so many things you can do in this world, but at the same time, less chances of kind of uh, becoming successful in all those areas. Mm-hmm. So go go for things that you are interested mm-hmm. in, you feel like, okay, I can achieve it and try to kind of excel on that part rather than focusing on multiple things it's just not possible for us to become masters of everything well that's quite some, that's some good advice to give to students and 
are there any like resources that you would say are useful for them to learn or so uh, i mean because you, uh, your research is involving like developing apps and so on so would it be useful to learn kind of programming and so on? yes uh, i mean uh, now everything is about computer right everything uh revolves around uh, how to compute or make things go faster so um, definitely if you are also not interested in science or not interested in what you call computer you can go online and kind of learn all those uh, computing languages because most of the jobs nowadays requires that so that would be one my advice like looking over those uh, uh, probably you know this uh, software Coursera, yeah, uh, ADX uh, or EduX or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there are so many big universities who are kind of giving free online courses because, I mean, nobody knew we would be hit by a virus uh, for 20 months or something like that. And all of us now are aware about virus regardless whether you are a science person or non-science person, right? That's why I'm saying we, we need to be knowing everything at the same time, not try to be masters about everything. And computer uh, is one of those things which I would suggest um, uh, to young up generation to kind of at least have an idea, learning about uh, certain programming languages. doesn't have to be all the languages, but at least one thing. Which one would you recommend? I mean, anything uh, nowadays, people are talking about Python every day and R and all that thing. These are the common languages, I guess, mm-hmm. which is a hot topic. <laughs> uh, but any computer language would be a good start off because uh, that way they can kind of uh, translate that information to other languages also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back in nowadays, I don't remember when I was in undergrad or doing masters, we had those online resources. Mm-hmm. If, if we had those, I think uh, I would have definitely kind of pushed myself onto that route also. But right now, uh, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of the highway. So it's best to kind of turn around, make a U-turn and kind of start from the beginning or just keep going forward or something like that. Hmm. But for young re- listeners, uh, for your podcast, I think they are just starting the journey so they can kind of uh, start something new also. Do you have anything else you want to share in terms of the research that you've been doing or any re- interesting research you've heard about or just want people to know? I have a few books in my pipeline to read. <laughs> what books are you thinking of reading? Atomic Habit by James Clear. There is another book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. The other book that I was uh, I had borrowed from library is uh, Psychology of Money. That sounds interesting. Is that just yeah. why people like? What is it? Is it why people go after money, or is there some other? Is it is that book about why people go after money, or is it something else? I have no idea. It just like uh, sounded fancy. Yeah, it does sound quite interesting. Yeah, psychology of money. I haven't really kind of opened it up, um, but uh, 
I was in the library and uh, I was talking with my director of library and he was kind of doing what you call book tagging and all that thing. And I saw, huh, this sounds interesting. Can mm-hmm. I borrow it? He said, sure. And so he maybe this because of the YouTube software or algorithms. And I kind of uh, listened to those um, videos where they summarize books, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there are so many avenues on YouTube. Do you find that useful? Because I've never, I've never done it, but I would say yes, because I have come across this psychology of money from one of those people. Like they summarize the whole book in ten minutes or so. Yes, you won't get the whole thing, just like how you won't understand a movie by looking at a trailer or something like that. You have to see it by yourself, but it gives you a kind of a idea whether that book is relatable to you or whether you can kind of uh, read it or have to read it or not because uh, it's it's not possible for you to kind of read let's say 100 pages and then realize ah this book is boring or something like that right mm-hmm. so it's a good way of uh, knowing whether that book fits into your interest or not so i, I kind of find it interesting i came across this atomic habits uh, from that scene. This guy, Nate. So if somebody's doing that work for you, why not? And then after that, you kind of get up from mm-hmm. there. That's more useful and great talking to you. Like The area of research in this episode is a bit different to what I'm normally used to. As I'm normally involved with cells and microscopes and proteins, but that doesn't mean I'm fascinated by this research as well. Because it helps us to understand how the body works at different levels. It got me thinking about the effects of smartphones. Because they don't just have an effect on what we're actually doing, because they affect how we move. For example, our arms are clamped to our sides. But for hundreds of thousands of years, we were swinging them about. And also, when we're walking and texting or using our phones, we're not paying attention consciously to our surroundings. It's all with our subconscious mind. That's much different to what happened before, where we would always be surveying the surroundings to look for any incoming dangers or to look for any prey that we can hunt down or food in that sense. But going on to Dr. Pisana's story, I really liked it, how he, he moved where the science went. So he was kind of following the science and what interested him. And also his interest in science was started by his brother, which is another thing that I haven't heard before. But do remember that science, you don't have to move to do the science that you like to do. Sometimes the change has to be with interacting with people you thought you would never interact with. That's the brilliance of true science. Your ethnic background or other characteristics don't matter. You just have to have the mindset to conduct good science with rigor, and then you'll find your own niche, a nest for your research. But always keep in mind, well, this is why I do science, is to help others, but you might have another reason. His advice to explore other areas of research is important, especially with New Year's coming. 
maybe you could make it your New Year's resolution to explore new areas. My podcast would help with that, or the blog. Don't forget to check out the links. I will put them in the description, and hopefully they'll be useful. If you or someone you know wants to come on the podcast, then get in touch. Be sure to share the podcast and comment if you liked it. I also welcome constructive feedback. I emphasize the word constructive. I wanted to improve this podcast for you listeners. With that, it's the end of special episode number two. I look forward to exploring more research to bring to light what's happening around the world to discover the majestic contents of our brains. So Merry Christmas and have a Happy New Year, depending on when you listen to this.